Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversation, and encourage further innovation that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to a discussion with the president of Columbus State Community College in Columbus, Ohio, Dr. David Harrison. So is the, is the idea behind what's going forward with the Central Ohio Compact? Because, I mean, there's a lot of strong organizations, you know, pillar organizations in Central Ohio that are part of that, the Huntington's and the APs and Columbus State and on and on and on. Is the idea that we're going to focus on racial injustice and, and equality and things of that nature in the work that's already happening? Or is this an additional offshoot? Does that make sense? Oh, it does make sense. And it's actually something we've, we've been really intentional about, Joel, of making sure that what we're doing as a compact is providing a line of sight to good work that's already going on. So the county has been a, an important leader here. I'm on, the, I'm on the Rise Together task force. And They've been at this intentionally for 18 months with this set of strategic priorities that they've put together. Franklin County was among the first to identify poverty as a public health issue. And so we're trying to expose, if you will, as many people as we can to expertise and activity that's already underway, because the only way I think that we address this, again, is to do it as a community. This is not something that an individual institution can make great progress in if there's not an ecosystem, if there's not a community infrastructure around it. And I think it's important that we all have, to the extent we can, a baseline understanding and speak the same language so that we're pulling together to solve the same problems. It's it's how we've able we've been able to do it within the compact from an academic standpoint and really take down barriers and the transitions that I talked about with students from K-12 to higher ed, et cetera. The racial inequity issues that we're working with are orders of magnitude more complex, which makes it even more important that we come into these conversations with an open mind, come into it together and learn together. So we're doing the best we can, Joel, to tap into the expertise that already exists and go through the same training, use the same language, hopefully have the same outcomes in mind. And to follow up on that as well. Okay, I was going to just follow up and just ask about, um, so is this ongoing, you know, the three-part series, or is this during this period of time? Yeah, so I want to be clear, uh, Rise Together is an ongoing thing. Okay. And what we're trying to do is, to Joel's question, instead of us creating our own training, we want to use the, the training, the assets, the expertise that Franklin County, that some of the private sector leaders that Joel talked about are using so that we're approaching this uh, as a community with a similar framework. It's similar to what we've tried to do again, the kind of the academic pathways, where first step was for us to learn more about K-12. I mean, when we, when we sat down to partner more deeply with K-12 organizations, it's a different language. 
different set of measures, different, different outcomes that, that we were focused on. Staying at the table, kind of working through together, we've developed a common language. They know more about us, we know more about them. So we're not kidding ourselves that, you know, three 75-minute virtual sessions are anything more than a conversation starter. Mm -hmm. But if it does provide a path for even a single school district to really be the match that lights the fuse, that changes the trajectory of, of a group of students, it's absolutely something that we want to do. We talk all the time about starting small, thinking big, and scaling fast. And hopefully we can replicate that uh, in this space as well. But again, we're not kidding ourselves about the depth of the task. Yeah, and I wanted to make sure that I pulled together some information on that that rise together because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Franklin County not only identified poverty as a public health crisis, but then there was also some conversation about racial inequality being a public health crisis as well, and it was kind Absolutely. of like those conversations were happening at the same time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So to kind of connect some dots here, one of the things that was always intriguing to me was Central Ohio Compact and then Preferred Pathways and dual credit, you know, how those all interacted together. The idea of explaining or laying out a pathway for a student, essentially a K-2 career pathway, right? And how Columbus State or community colleges in general, where they fit in that puzzle or in that pathway, can you talk to that in relation to how you see that pathway working out and where Columbus State or, like I said, community colleges in general fit in that K-2 career progression? Happy to. I'm, I'm going to talk about Columbus State more than <laughs> in general. Of course. Because, <laughs> yes, uh, hey, that's my job. But, Joel, as you know, we've been really fortunate to have some really strong private sector partnerships. Mm -hmm. American Electric Power and J.P. Morgan Chase were early investors for us in this infrastructure, especially around our K-12 partnerships. And then the state has been a good partner in terms of really expanding state policy that's allowed that infrastructure around the, the K-12 community college interface to really expand. I've mentioned that because the employer role in this, I think, is really important. And as we've been building out this regional infrastructure with the compact, there's been a parallel conversation around the future of work. And the fact that, you know, the first job that a lot of people are getting may not require a bachelor's degree, doesn't mean that the bachelor's degree isn't ultimately important, but there's, there's a skills-based opportunity that can get students started quicker with less debt, with much more employer engagement going forward. And that's a model that we've really tried to build out. Uh, again, student debt is a big focus of ours, and we really believe that there are a lot of pathways to a debt-free degree, just not enough students understand it. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've been working really hard with employers to help create those paths and help them understand that there are other options fulfilling the jobs that they have. And they've been really great creative partners in that regard. And we've got models now that 
as I mentioned before, all of our students work. We're trying to get more of those students working in their field while they're still at Columbus State and have had really good success in manufacturing. We've been able to move that into information technology where we've got some really growth, really good growth going there. And I think healthcare is going to be a next focus. A huge advantage to that is once students get in, you know, they earn their associate degree, they get hired, then the employer pays for their bachelor's degree um, in many cases. So, you know, we've got students who have gone through these programs that are in their late 20s. They've got an associate degree, a bachelor's degree. Uh, they've been making money since they were 18. They've got no student debt and they've been promoted three times. You know, so how can we replicate that? And most of them are first-generation college students. So I would like talk, that pathway myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you know, now. When you, when, you talk, when you talk about changing the trajectory of families, that makes a huge difference. And again, one of the strengths we've got as a region is we've got employers that are, you know, really leaning in. In a lot of ways, we've used the tight labor market to think creatively and think differently and to have employers in the room has been important. Now, how that translates into a COVID or post-COVID labor market is something that we're working through now. But the good thing is, because those relationships already exist, we're in, in the midst of those conversations now. It's hard to predict where that's going to land uh, because you've got higher unemployment, but you've still got a lot of unfilled jobs. Employers mm -hmm. still have a hard time uh, filling jobs. So staying in the room and continuing to work together to figure that out is frankly one of the huge values of the Central Ohio Compact. I wanted to ask an additional question related to that because, you know, there's all of these partnerships and you have the student focus and so on and so forth. But then there's just a practical application of it, which is in the classroom, right? And one of the things that is always of interest to me is not only the curriculum, but the technology that is particularly now in, in 2020, where it's, they kind of are in parallel. They go hand in hand. You know, I've been to the assembly line at Honda. That's technology, right? I mean, there's literally very little hands <laughs> on anything there or even at Worthington Industries. And then you talk about once you move into IT uh, or having experience at Children's Hospital in their technical training area, and the amount of technology that is involved in healthcare at this point in time. How has Columbus State managed to keep up curriculum-wise, not only with the faculty, but also having the technology necessary in the classroom and as part of the curriculum to keep the students that are coming out of those programs abreast of what's going on? And if I may append that question, then translating that down to your K-12 partners so that they understand what they may need to know as they come in and through Columbus State and out to other areas. I think we've done a better job from a curriculum standpoint than we have a technology standpoint, but that's about to change. So through our relationships with employers and our faculty, you know, frankly, being closely aligned with emerging practices, you know, whether it's in manufacturing or information technology or healthcare, skilled trades, HVAC, automotive technology, they've done a remarkable job of keeping our curriculum aligned with emerging needs in those industries. Where we haven't had 
the capital resources has been in investing in the facilities and the technology. That changed this spring when Franklin County voters entrusted us with bond issue that's going to give us now capital resources to invest uh, in learning environments that are really reflective of the 21st century workforce so that students who leave Columbus State and go to Honda are going to be very familiar with that technology. Students who leave Columbus State and go to Nationwide Children's are going to be very familiar with the technological environment that they're stepping into. Uh, mm-hmm. would leave Columbus State and go into a software development or cybersecurity or data analytics position at any number of large employers or small employers in our region, um, they're going to have a good line of sight with re- because the facilities and the technology that they will have experienced in the classroom are very similar to what they're experiencing in the workplace. That's going to be a game changer for our region and the ability to have that transition mm-hmm. allow employers to bring employees in who are adding value immediately. It's also going to allow us to help younger people understand what's possible. Mm-hmm. That they're walking into Columbus State seeing a, a modern, advanced work environment, regardless of their industry, and really create, we think, a vibe, for lack of a better way to say it, that's going to excite students. Overlay that with the the partnership infrastructure that's already in place with K-12. I mentioned, you know, we're, we're, we've got 6,500 high school students enrolled right now at Columbus State. The ability to get them exposure in our environment. These aren't field trips. These are lived experiences, right? Um, <laughs> with, in, you know, in these emerging technology fields, we think it's going to really ignite a lot of interest in young people in these emerging fields. The facilities matter and the ability for us to really help students understand what's possible in these emerging fields. It's one of the things that's just difficult for high schools and for families and for young people is even understanding what career paths are possible. I think the resources that Franklin County citizens have entrusted us with is gonna allow us to really lift up that conversation in an important way. So if I'm a middle schooler listening to this podcast, what are three words of wisdom or three lessons learned that you can give you know, a, a middle school or a high school student as they prepare to go into that next phase of their life? One is be curious. I think that's an important quality regardless of your age. But for a young person to ask a lot of questions and to keep every door open is really important. Two is, and this may be related, don't close any doors. Pigeonhole our students. I don't think we mean to, or it happens society or whatever, where I'm not a math person or you know, I don't like hands-on things or whatever it is. And it's just not the same answer when you're, when you're 13 as is when you're 23 or, or 53. So, you know, keeping an open mind personally, I think, I think is important. And the third thing, and again, I give this advice regardless of age, is to be yourself. You know, I mean, listen, listen to, to what feels right for you, because eventually it's going to come through anyway. And to really find your purpose, your sense of where the universe needs you to be and where you want to be to be your best self is something that, that only individuals, I think, can help navigate. You know, you mentioned, Joel asked me about all the mentors I've had 
you know, what a blessing I've had in that regard and the ability to be myself in all of those relationships has been key to getting the most out of those conversations. One question I want to ask, and let me know if we need to clarify the question in, in any way. If the same middle school student or ninth or 10th grader, and I am a student of color, what could you, what would you say to a student of color that is interested, I don't say interested, but to let them know that not only is Columbus State a great opportunity for them, but you have an opportunity to be successful and thrive here. When I say successful, be complete something, right? I'm not choosing Columbus State as my fallback option. I'm choosing Columbus State because this is, there's something there for me that I need to complete. So, and like I said, specifically for young people of color that might be coming from Columbus City Schools, Southwestern Schools, something like that. So in that case, it's, it's probably less, Joel, about what I could tell them than what I could show them. Um, and, and I think in that case, what I would want to do is connect them. And this is what we try to do. It's what you've tried and, and been successful at doing is connect them with successful students who have started where they're starting from and who have been on that journey, but maybe are just a few years ahead of them. And those kinds of connections, whether they're formal mentoring relationships or just initial conversations, the ability for students to see a successful path for students like them, whatever that means. You know, it's not just the color of their skin, but it's the situation that they're in, the community that they're in, the things that they're interested in, and the ability, it's something we're actually trying to be more intentional about, is to connect graduates, successful students from all backgrounds with students who are starting from the place that they started. These employer relationships that we're building out, I think can be really important models in that regard. It's, yeah. one thing, it's one thing for me to sit down with a group of students or parents or whatever and say, if you go uh, through Columbus State's program, Honda will hire you at $60,000 a year. It's a whole other conversation when Honda uh, is sitting down and saying, if you go through this program at Columbus State, we'll hire you at $60,000 a year. So yeah, a lot of it is about not just what the story is, but who's telling the story. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've got uh, a growing set of opportunities to get the right storyteller in front of the right student at the right time. I want to thank you for your time. I know we're getting to the end of our time here, so I don't want to go too far over. I know you're busy with how all the things that are going on with Columbus State and in the region and your engagement in the region and things of that nature. Any parting words that you would have for our listening audience? Particularly, I want to ask you if you have any parting words for our K-12 educators, the teachers, the counselors, administrators that you might be able to give them to connect the dots for the opportunities that you're trying to provide their students, both now and for when they're out of their classrooms and on into their, their future lives? Well, let me first of all thank, uh, thank you and Brendan for doing this. I mean, I think this is, uh, this is an important 
service you're providing. And, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of it. For, for a K-12 partners, I really want to express my personal gratitude for uh, everything they're doing, everything they've done, and everything that they're going to continue to do because I think we're going to be at this for a while. And, you know, the, the personal relationships that they have with students and their families is powerful. And what they have done under these incredible circumstances is just something I admire. So I want to just express my gratitude. And, and we'll also offer our help. I don't know what that looks like. Again, we've I mentioned we've had a lot of conversations with districts and are doing some innovative work in that regard. We can always do more. One of the things we had a conversation today in a leadership meeting, a briefing that we had about, you know, how we've got more experience in virtual education than most K-12 districts do. Are there ways that we can help? We're trying to figure that out. One of the uh, big concerns with regard to what's happening with virtual education, especially with K-12, is what's happening in the home. Parents are finding themselves in an impossibly difficult situation, especially for many of them who haven't experienced virtual learning themselves. So we've been in conversations about what we can do to help. We don't know what that is, but just, uh, I want to make sure our, our friends and partners know that the door is open and um, we're happy to help work through some of these issues with them together. Again, thank you for your time and look forward to further conversation. Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Right.